Hello, I'm Andrew Fuller. I'm a clinical psychologist and work with children, teenagers and their families, particularly in the areas of resilience, learning strengths and well-being. I'm also the chairperson of Generation Next. And in this series of podcasts, I'll be speaking with people who are experts in their area in terms of mental health and well-being. Thank you for joining us and thank you for being part of the Generation Next podcast group. Next Thursday, the 27th of May at 7pm, I'm doing a session which I'd love to have you as part of. It's around feelings and it's based on my newest book, The A to Z of Feelings. And it talks about helping people to understand a whole range of feelings, how feelings take charge of our lives and what we can do about it to understand them better, not only for ourselves, but for other people. The link uh, is on the Generation Next website. I hope you find it helpful in your work. I hope you find it helpful in your life. Today in this series of, of uh, podcasts where we talk to people who are eminent in the area of well-being and young people, I'm delighted to speak with one of my co-presenters at Generation X conferences, Johnny Shannon. And Johnny recently has been awarded the Australian Motivational Speaker of the Year. So congratulations, Johnny. That was amazing. And also in the past produced and created the very successful push pay for uh, app for, for charities. There's, there's heaps of Johnny's experiences I can talk about, but I think we'll, we'll probably move on and rather than talk so much about his history, talk about some of the key issues. So today, listeners, we're going to talk a bit about bullying and some practical tips for overcoming that. We'll talk more broadly about the impacts of that on resilience. And then I guess the, the, the nature of bullying has changed in recent times. So we need to think more innovatively about ways of not only intervening with it, but preventing it, and then thinking about what the implications for young people's well-being is. So great to have you with us, Johnny. It's fantastic. Um, tell us a little bit, just your general kind of thoughts about bullying to begin with. What's what's your considerations around that? Well, it's, it's probably the topic I get asked most about. It happens a heck of a lot. A lot of the Studies have shown us that in Australia, over 75% of students get bullied with inside their high school experience and um, a shocking over 23% of students are bullied on a weekly basis. Um, I think it's one of those things that people have some very basic advice about, <laughs> you know, just tough, toughen up or hit. in Australia, we get a lot of the, uh, just hit the kid back. So we get this very extreme sort of thing without actually having to break that problem down and saying what's really scientific things that have happened, like is there research, is there studies behind it, how is it practically stopped, where does the core issue come from, and I think we can use bully, um, bullying and conflict interest at a young age to really prepare young people for a long-term win in life. It's not going away, Australia is one of the uh, top three worst places in a first world nation in the world, workplace bullying, and so if we don't teach it at a young age while we're in high school, we're not doing our job by um, really setting our young people up for a win. So that's one in four almost of our students are being yeah. on a daily basis. This and, is and that, terrific. I mean, that, that, it's a loaded statement. I've got to say that from the get-go is that that's what the studies show. But then when I'll get students aside or where I'll do my own surveys, both um, hands up in high schools as well as my survey online, a lot of the times what's perceived as bullying isn't actually bullying. And so it's a little bit more complicated, which I hope to, uh, we get to speak about a little bit today. So... Let's let's leave that for a moment and say, but what's the yeah. long term? What's the effect of all of that in terms of kids learning, self-esteem? What what are the things that you're seeing as the down the track from that that basically are causal effects? Absolutely. Well, 
If someone's under a fight or flight response versus a rest and repair response, our brains, our bodies react very, very differently. If we're anxious, I mean, a classic example, I was talking to a food nutritionist the other day and interviewing them for a program I'm doing at the moment. And he said, when we're anxious, we don't actually absorb the foods properly in our body. It goes straight through us because it's in fight or flight. It's getting prepared to either fight or run away. And so it affects the body being under stress and conflict resolution and fighting other people or having conflict with other people that we have to meet in school on a daily basis can really affect not only our body, but also our mind. It can cause things like depression, anxiety, where people start resulting back or not knowing what to do and just get anxious about certain things. So what we want to do is break it down and make sure it doesn't go long term. If it's not resolved at a young age, I think that you can... Um, really create echoes later on in life where people start reacting to other bullies and other conflicts far worse than perhaps could have been resolved if they resolved it at a younger age. So I think it can um, it honestly affect a lot of workplace environments and people because we all have to deal with you know people from high school right up until we get into the workforce for the rest of our lives. We all deal with people uh, that rub us the wrong way and it doesn't need to be classes as bullying, but we need to sort of figure out that conflict resolution, that social connection, and how to deal with boys at a young age. So I guess, I mean, perhaps this is overly simplistic, but there's, sure. you know, the culture of a workplace or the culture of a school, there's the changing the behaviour of the people who are doing the bullying. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's changing the behaviour of the people who are receiving the bullying. Yes. Where, where, where do you begin? <laughs> well, I think you've done a great job already of identifying that there is two parties involved. If, if anything, there's actually three, if you think about a circle and it's slowly widening out from the community, it's the bullier who's bullying the bullyee. Now, stats have shown us that often someone who's getting bullied can go to a whole new school, just like I did, and get bullied all over again because they put off certain vibes. They don't know how to react. They overreact, which continues on. And same with the bully. You can move a bully to a different school and they'll find that other counterpart, as well as the third part, which is the bystanders, people around them, whether it's students or teachers that just turn a blind eye or let it happen or don't empower the person with education, um, like what we're trying to do in high schools at the moment. So I don't think it's an oversimplification to say that it's probably two majors. I think mm -hmm. if, if I saw a student getting bullied, I would get the bullet like, and I've done it hundreds of times when I used to be a counselor, um, counseling guys at a guy's school, you get the bully aside and the bully is bully aside. And I'm not really into titles and I'd never say that to the students because you don't want to give them a reputation to live up to. But as a general rule, you say to the bully, um, hey, why, why is it happening? And there's usually a bunch of different reasons. I mean, case in point, at a guy's school, eight out of 10 times, and there's been over 2,000 recorded cases I've done, 80 plus percent of the time, the student usually says, it was just a joke. And so immediately you got to go, is this, was it intentional? Did they actually mean to harm the person? Is it ongoing? Like, is it the classic definition of bullying. And so I think that's the first stage of going, is it bullying? Is it targeted, ongoing, aggressive behavior? And if it's once off, hey, it's not actually bullying. That's just conflict resolution. Is it targeted? Are they are they hassling you for no specific reason? Because if there's a reason, well, again, it's not bullying, it's conflict. Maybe you annoyed that person and you actually need to apologize. Or maybe something's happening, you know, you need to teach the person how to talk to the person and actually resolve that sort of issue. And is it on um, targeted, ongoing, aggressive? Was it actually intentional or were they just having a joke? A lot of Australian students come from backgrounds where they have other brothers and sisters, they hassle each other, punch each other on the arms, all the rest of it. Then they go to school and they don't know where the line is. We can help with that by communicating, hey, where is that line? 
But immediately, this is not just a theory, this has been um, a large study done in New Zealand, Australia, UK and America. I found that in Australia, and America, sorry, American students treat their friends very differently. Like in, Australia, in America, if you're friends with somebody at high school, you're nice to them. In Australia, if you're friends with someone, <laughs> you hassle them all the time. It's like a term of endearment. You're trying to communicate to other people around. We're so secure. We can hassle each other. I went to a school in South Auckland and my two best friends were a guy called Patrick and Anru. And we would literally walk past each other and people thought we were worst enemies because we'd hassle each other so much. And sometimes you'd pass the line. Like I walk past one of your mates like, oh, bro, you smell. He'd be like, oh, your whole family smells. You're like, your mum smells. And then suddenly it's not a joke anymore. Suddenly you've crossed the line. You just talked about my mother. I'm going to hit you. And so this is on, like jokes aside, it's often where a lot of the conflict starts. It's actually in friendship groups. Case in point, America, less than 5% of bullying happens that's in, inside friendship groups. In Australia, it's over half. The student knew the person or is currently friends with the person and they're bullying each other. So immediately we can see that New Zealand and Australia has a very different dynamic than the rest of the world. And a lot of the times, the first question we need to ask, hey, was it intentional? Because if it wasn't intentional and when they start hassling the kid or telling them off or giving them detention and sort of, you know, not giving a crime that suits the punishment, sometimes we can actually label that student and make it a lot worse and get them to focus on the negative versus the solution and simply saying the first time around at least, hey, we need to know when to cross the line. Next time, if you think you cross the line and the person's countenance changes, just you as a mate look at the person and say, actually, mate, sorry, I crossed the line with that. Or give them other little one sentence little, you know, little outs, little soft techniques on how to get out of that and make it so the other person's not actually offended. We don't teach a lot of that. So presumably none of us look mm. up from our bassinet or our cot and go, I think what I'll do with my life is to become a bully. And so the cultural stuff you've just beautifully elaborated on, how, I mean, obviously it's a, a limited coping mechanism. Isn't it? I mean, it's a survival strategy to become a bully. Um, yes. I'm just wondering in terms of thinking about people who do bullying what what's your thoughts about how to help them broaden out their repertoire of behaviors yeah absolutely and so as a general rule again from the people from that 20 percent that hey i did bully that person actually did annoy me hey did you intend to cause emotional physical harm and the real honest students to say yeah most of the time there's an unresolved issue and most of the time there's a reason for it it's not textbook definition i've just targeted the student for no reason it's the person said something or annoyed me. I've actually got a great um, infographic that's on my website. If you type in um, different types of bullying on Google, it comes straight up. I think it's number one there. And then it comes up with the seven little steps, just those little questions you ask the student. Um, a classic example might be, hey, the first thing, can you think of any, and this is my infographic that I used to have in my counseling office. Mm. And um, a lot of students have actually downloaded this. It's obviously free. It's full res, so it's just the poster. Or you can just email me and I'll send you out the poster. But first one was, can you think of anything you've done to provoke them? If it's yes, hey, it's not bullying. Now we need to go down a different route and talk about conflict resolution and apologizing. If it's no, hey, are they doing this the same to other people? Well, if it's yes, you probably need to talk to a teacher and get those students aside and actually have a group discussion because if he's doing it to everybody, it's technically not targeted. So it's again, it's not the definition of bullying, but the student does need to be talked to, but it's not bullying because it's not targeted. Is it happened more than once? A lot of students are, are not doing the greatest thing because they're taught by sometimes... Teachers and parents, if anyone hassles you at any point of life, if anyone says anything bad, go and talk to a teacher about it. 
And that's almost the opposite of what the real solution is, which is how do we teach young people resilience, how to not react two or three times in a row so that once you do talk to the person and it is confirmed as bullying, it's targeted, ongoing, aggressive behavior, then they can have the conversation and say, hey, mate, if, if I'm not enjoying this, if the jokes have gone too far, if it continues to happen, I will talk to a teacher. It's happened numerous times now. And as someone who's bullying and intending to be annoying and target that young student, you know, now this other person has some ammunition. They've got two or three instances where this has happened. And most people can understand, I can see why someone will go to a teacher. But what often happens, what I saw all the time, is that students would come to my office. They didn't talk to the person. They didn't ask them to stop. It's a once-off. They're calling it bullying. And you almost want to say, mate, you're not doing yourself any favors. Like, you're going to get classed as, we all know it, it's not a great word, a tattletale or whatnot, and it's probably not going to help your reputation. You need to talk to them first. Eight out of 10 times, it wasn't actually bullying. But if it is, you've got to say, hey, have you asked them to stop? In other words, are they conscious that you take that not as a joke and you've asked them to stop? Only then is it bullying. Now, once that's the case, we're getting the student aside, the bully, the bully <laughs> I should say, and say, hey, how can we um, how can we help this not happening? 95 times, you know, 95% of the time, it's a specific thing the person or target is bullying. Um, so national statistics show that um, the, the top three reasons for getting bullied is your appearance, your sexuality, or any form of perceived disability. Those are the top three biggest reasons. All right, and, that, and that's that's nearly all of them. For me, um, I got expelled from two schools. It, I had all these things that I got picked on. So I had this massive mold on the side of my face. I had these real big glasses, but back in the day when like glasses were not cool. Uh, these days people wear glasses even if they don't need them. I was the second shortest kid in my year group. I had really, really bad acne. And to this day, I've got really bad dyslexia, which um, even though I read and write on a daily basis, I've got the reading ability of about 11 year old. And so when I went to school, the best way I could describe it is um, I get picked on, you know, mole man, acne face, short stuff, stupid or dumb. And the way I describe it to other students is it felt like I was insecure and it really hurt. And it's almost felt like a bruise on your arm. Like, you know, when you're growing up, you've got a bruise on your arm. And for some reason, some of your own mates think it's hilarious to poke it. And I think they poke it because they have very literal outgoing energy and they see this massive reaction that makes them feel strong. What was the same for me, I had these different insecurities, five major ones. And if someone poked fun of one of those insecurities, mole man, acne face, short stuff, dumb, stupid, whatnot, I went crazy. I'd overreact. I'd hassle them. I'd hassle their insecurities. It often um, became overly um, verbal and turned to physical. Got expelled from two different schools. And it wasn't until my last school that a counselor got me aside and said, um, Johnny, why do you think you're getting bullied all the time? I said, it's about my insecurities. And she said, Johnny, I know a lot of students that have far worse disabilities than you, and they never get bullied. So your line of rationale doesn't actually make sense. I think the reason you get bullied is because you're hypersensitive. And I said, no, I'm not. And she goes, no, I think you are. <laughs> and she did the very un-PC thing. It was a New Zealand school, one of the largest in New Zealand. And she got out a piece of paper. Instead of saying, write down everything you love about yourself, she wrote down, write down everything you don't like about yourself. And it's the reason I do speaking now, but she, she, I wrote down all these different things and she went through them one by one. And she helped me change the meaning of some of these issues. Like, hey, what's the first one? Oh, it's my mold. Well, Johnny, you can get that cut out when you're older. When I left high school, I got it cut out. Two of my own brothers, when I got home, didn't even notice it was gone. It was the biggest issue of my life. And it turns out like, you know, how did anyone actually care? I think there's two of my friends that actually noticed. Uh, she went to the next one. What's the next one? I said, my glasses. She goes, Johnny, when you get older, you can get contacts. I ended up doing the New Zealand military, getting laser surgery, perfect vision for the rest of my life. Well, hopefully for the rest of my life. She goes, what's another one? I said, 
oh, I'm short. And she said, give me something that you can't change. I said, I'm short. She goes, Johnny, did you know that short people live on average six to eight years longer than tall people? And so when she told me this, obviously nothing physically changed. But when I got home, I knocked on the door. My brother opened the door. He said, oh, Shane, bro, you're so short. I was like, you're going to die. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> but she went through them, all the different ones. And I could go through all the ones from dyslexia. She helped me join the speech team and or something that I was good at. She went through all these different things. But what happened was at this new school, I got bullied all over again about the same stuff. Someone even nicknamed me Mole Man at the brand new school within a day of being there. But this time, because I'd been through a couple of practices with where we did a couple of role-playing games when she was someone that was hassling me and she went through, what are you going to say if this happens? What are you going to say if this happens? Next day at school, someone called me Mole Man. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get that cut out. Like when I'm older, I don't need to think about it. Someone hassled me about my class. I thought when I leave high school, I'll get contact. Someone hassled me about being short. I thought, you know what? I'm going to outlive all of you. And I just went through these different pathways or mental pathways. And sure enough, some of these guys, one of the guys that actually hassled me, I actually ended up becoming best mates with. Because yeah. I ended up having a laugh at myself. He realized that I was secure. I didn't take anything too seriously. And I actually ended up becoming um, one of my closest mates. And so I was fascinated with this idea that if we can deal with our insecurities at a young age, no one can then end up using those insecurities against you. And even though I spent a whole hour with this counselor, not once did she speak about bullying. She just spoke about these, what's your five insecurities? Can you change them? Can you change either the way you think about them? Or can you tell them you can change those sort of things in the future? When anyone says anything about those ones, reflect back on those things. You stop reacting. And 95, according to Brooks Gibbs, the number one anti-bullying authority in America, is in 95% of all bullying stops within three times of not reacting to that specific comment. And so that's what we've got to teach kids. Hey, if you're getting, if you're getting bullied, number one, teach empowerment. Don't teach them disempowerment. Don't teach them to be victims. Teach them to be victors and say, hey, I want you to do this. Be super brave. I know it's going to be hard. Try your best not to react three times in a row. And if it does happen, like maybe in the best case scenario, if you can hassle yourself so you take the ammunition away from them, that's great. Try not to react three times in a row. And then if it continues to happen, then say to the person, I'm not actually, um, I'm not actually appreciating these comments. If it continues to happen, then I'll talk to a teacher. I'm telling you, you'll make some good mates that way. And most 95% of the time, the bullying will stop. So in most cases, you won't have to deal with it or talk to a teacher anyway. So the internal dialogue, of course, of the person yes. who's receiving bullying is essential. And uh, it's great that you've really elaborated on that. Um, clearly, bullying is an area in innovation and people who are intent on bullying others are innovative in their ways of doing it. Just um, a, a brief overview, Johnny, if you will, about the trends that you're seeing. Are there, has it changed over time in your experience? And if so, in what way? Yeah, absolutely. So we've actually had a little bit of decrease um, from our studies. I've seen some other studies and you don't really want to base anything off one study unless there's a bunch put together known as a longitude study. But I found that a lot of cyberbullying has actually started to decrease. It's increased a little bit during COVID, but that's primarily, I think, because, you know, a lot of more students are at home and online. Bullying has continued a lot. And just with whether, depending on where the students hang out, that's generally where it ends up happening. It might have back in the day happened on the rugby field and then maybe it turns to the tennis court field, like, you know, when everyone's into tennis and now it's often happening online as well. So it's around 30%. It's usually not as much as a lot of people naturally think. A lot of people think it's up there in the 90 percentile, but it's really not. Now, the thing with cyberbullying is, um, it, which is basically anything online, email, text, photoshopping someone's images, catfishing, stealing someone else's like profile, 
saying things on behalf of some, someone else that didn't actually happen, all those sort of things. There's a bunch of them. The thing with cyber, though, is that when I was growing up, bullying stayed at school. I knew that once I jumped on the bus and got home, that I had a mental break. I, I didn't have to think about it. You know, this is, I, I went to school when there's the Nokia out, so you had a phone, but it couldn't connect to the internet or anything else. It stayed at school. Cyberbullying, though, it happens all the time. And sometimes it happens in the very area that you feel quite relaxed, like you're on social media, you spend some time with some mates, someone jumps in and says a nasty comment or continues with those comments. So you don't want to hang out there online. A lot of times with guys, it happens a lot when they're playing video games. They're playing video games with their mates. Someone happens to join the party and just not like that specific person for whatever reason, and those negative comments just continue. So it's very specific on where the student's hanging out and what's happening on what platform to what sort of advice you give them. I had a parent call me about four months ago saying, my student is getting um, you know, bullied all the time on this particular video game. I said, oh, what video game is it? And she said, oh, it's Grand Theft Auto. And I said, how old's your student? She said, oh, he's about 12. I said, it's an R18 game. <laughs> like, let's go back right down to the foundation of where the actual issue is. That's not the issue. Look, those sort of games, they're going to talk like that, okay? They're adults, and that's why we have ratings on games. So we've got to bring it right back. Or another one, a classic one, is um, PUBG, which is very much, um, it's similar to uh, Fortnite and some of those other big games. However, you're, it's a real-life shooter. And you can't expect, you know, a game, uh, a student to act <laughs> nice and polite when they're playing a game, when the aim of the game is to literally kill these other people. And so I said to the parent night recently, I was like, look, these are some of the stats. And, you know, it's a bit of a shock and awe and a hook to get them into the real message. But see, this is the stats recently when I asked over 150 um, male students at the school, who here, here has ever heard the terminology, go kill yourself online? Who's heard that threat before? And over 95% of the students said, yes, I have. And I was like, that's a lot. However, let's look at the context. They were playing a game where the object of the game is to kill the other person. So let's look at it in a real holistic, natural way and don't jump to conclusions too quickly to think they're taking that that seriously. So there's that balancing game. But what I tell students, um, parents, make sure the student has their microphone off. You don't need to enable chat. All the, all the major games, you can just turn the chat off. I personally think that all parents should abide by those R18, R16 rules. You know, our brains go through different developmental stages as we grow older and things affect us a lot more in specific ages and stages of life. And so we wanna make sure that we're not just flogging that off and saying, who cares? Because then you're actually teaching a young person, who cares what the government thinks? Who cares what the specialist thinks? You're different, you can act a different way. And we really don't wanna teach that sort of behavior either. So just to kind of, wrap up a little bit Johnny sadly because yes. of time um yeah, sure. your sort of key takeaways for schools what if you're a school uh, or an organization that are listening to this and thinking okay well really where do we begin what would you what would be your kind of steps in terms of the process absolutely i'd um be getting those like that bullying poster making sure that's in the council's office that the parents the teachers and counselors are all on the, on the basis firstly of saying what is bullying and all the school knowing the bullying definition. I also have a free um, uh, bullying policies. If you just type in Johnny Shannon bullying policies, there's a free template there you can get for your schools. But making sure students and teachers, first and foremost, know what bullying is, targeted, ongoing, aggressive behavior. Then once they know, they know exactly, don't react three times in a row. If it continues, that's when, if it's online, you take screenshots and send it into esafety.gov.au. They'll sort it out. Or if it's in person, you're talking to a parent or a teacher. 
and you're teaching those kids how to do those role-playing games. But a big one, Autumn would say, is a finale of votes sort of step-by-step. We'll be teaching young people that it's okay to have insecurities. No one's perfect. And, you know, and life's not perfect. And really developing that resilience at a ground level to say, um, one of the things I used to say to young people is, you don't have to be perfect to be loved. And anyone that does anything great in life, anyone that's in the public eye, you will have a certain percentage of people that do not like them. I mean, case in point, I, I might've shared this at one of the uh, Generation Next conferences. It was about a year and a half ago now. But a study came out and said, uh, who, as of last year, I should just ask you, who do you think the most hated person in the world was? I would have said Donald Trump. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So Donald Trump was the most hated person in the world. Justin Bieber was the third most hated person in the world. And according to their study and their scan of, you know, they use these spiders to go across all Google to find out negative comments attached to people's names. Hitler was the 11th most hated person in the world. So we have people that hate Justin Bieber more than Hitler. Than Hitler. <laughs> and I think sharing the, the stupidity of that type of thing with young people to let them know it's not serious. People say stupid things because they're in the limelight. And at the end of the day, if you're going to do anything great, if you're going to speak in schools like yourself or do these big conferences or, te- I mean, you'd probably find it yourself. The moment you teach teachers, often they're the ones that critique you more than anybody. And sometimes it's like, do you even want me here? And so you got you just got to have a bit of a thick skin and understand that, you know what, even statistically, no matter who you are, you can be the nicest person in the world. One in 10 people aren't going to click with you or gel with you. You can't expect everyone to like you. It's just not a realistic expectation to have in life. Really, really useful messages. Thank you so much, Johnny. Um, if people want to follow up and be in contact with you, what's the best way to do that? I just type in Johnny Shannon on Google or type in bullying tips on Google, anything like that. I usually come straight up and um, feel free to get any of those free posters. We send them out absolutely free, free postage, free downloads, all the rest. I want to thank you for the work that you do. I think that uh, it makes an incredible difference in the lives of young people. And I just want to honour it for a moment that I think uh, it takes quite a lot of courage to go from a situation of a struggling student who basically was bullied at school to then really come through that and use those experiences in a positive way for the benefit of others. So thank you, Johnny. It's really great to spend this time with you. Thanks, Andrew. I appreciate that. And I appreciate what you guys do too. Thank you. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you would like to follow up in further detail, please listen in to some of the other podcasts that we have made, which are available through the Generation Next website. There are also a series of books uh, from Generation Next in terms of nurturing young minds, uh, covering a series of issues to do with young people and also in my own book, Tricky Behaviours and Your Best Life at Any Age, which are both available either on Amazon or through Bad Apple Press. Thank you so much, and I hope to connect with you again soon. Thank you. Find more resources for supporting the mental health and well-being of young people on the Generation Next website. While you're there, consider becoming a member of the Online Learning Hub, where you can access practical sessions from leading experts on demand. There are many sessions available in the ever-expanding learning library, and each session has an instantly downloadable certificate of completion, which you may even be able to use to claim professional development. You can also feel great about your membership, with all proceeds supporting Generation Next not-for-profit initiatives, including this podcast.
You may also like to read more in Generation Next's Young Minds books. Both books contain practical and easy-to-read chapters on a range of topics from Australia's leading practitioners. Andrew Fuller's chapter, What is Resilience and How to Do It, is in the book Growing Happy, Healthy Young Minds, available on the Generation Next website at www.generationnext.com.au. We hope you found this podcast helpful. Please share this podcast and your learnings with others. Until next time, thanks for listening and for all you do to support young people and our communities.